Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome Sky community. Welcome back to another episode of Sky Women. You are in for a treat today because I have my good friend here with me, Sam, a gyno girl. If you've been on Instagram, if you haven't, go follow her. Follow her YouTube channel. Dr. Samina Rahman is board certified OBGYN who launched her practice that is the Center for Gynecology and Cosmetics in Chicago. She is very involved in the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health. She is a fellow of the society. She's involved in the International Public Pain Society and is a certified menopause provider. So she is doing all the good in the Chicago area and is here with us today to discuss the recent New York Times article on how menopause affects women of color. Welcome, Dr. Roman. Hi, everyone. So excited to be back here on Sky and my good friend, Carolyn. We're going to see each other soon at menopause conference. Yes. Very excited. Yeah, we are conference buddies. We became friends at um, Ishwish Conference. So, so Sam, I am I'm really excited to talk about the issues of women of color in menopause because I think women in general feel misunderstood in perimenopause and menopause, but I feel like that is amplified in women of color. So, can we speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this article that came out a few weeks ago obviously highlighted how perimenopause and menopause is experienced differently in women of color. And I think it's an important fact because we have a lot of things contributing to why women of color experience it differently. Number one, there's some thoughts that the generational traumas that women of color have experienced over time, they call this an allostatic load or the weathering effect that happens at an epigenetic level, like actually impacts their uh, risks of cardiovascular disease, impacts the risk of metabolic dysfunction and all this stuff. So as a result, women of color, particularly black women and, and Latinx women, actually have a higher chance of experiencing menopause earlier. So that means that I think it's three times more likely to experience it before the age of 40, which is pretty significant, right? If you're right all your estrogen and your testosterone before the age of 40, when average age is what, 51. And then think about all the impact of the loss of that estrogen, right? Or the, and and the dramatic phase that happens as you're losing the estrogen, the perimenopause, where most of our symptoms are horrible, that Mm -hmm. they experience more vasomotor symptoms for longer periods of time. And Mm -hmm. it used to be that we'd say, Hey, vasomotor symptoms aren't going to kill you, but we know that's not true now, right? We know that like actually- untreated vasomotor symptoms can impact, which are the hot flashes and the night sweats. I'm sure uh, your listeners don't know that by now, but that's, that actually cause a stress on their cardiovascular system, their metabolic function and in shortened life expectancy. So if we know that you have untreated vasomotor symptoms and it's going to lead to that and women of color experience them for longer periods of time. So if average age, average on average, white women experience it six and a half years and they're at 10 years potentially, right? So that's a long time to have these differences. So on the one hand, there's something happening at a genetic level or a cellular level where women of color are experiencing it differently, worsening symptoms, maybe worsening general urinary symptoms. And on another hand, it's like some women of color have a general distrust of the medical system because of the years and years of experimentation that were done, especially on black women. Right. So there's that factor, this distrust of the medical community. And then there's implicit bias that happens 
for any patient, right? Like we, we have implicit bias, we know it affects healthcare. And so if you're not getting offered, um, you know, the hormone therapy that a white woman's getting offered for the same symptoms, then you're not getting this quality of life improvement and potentially longevity improvement. So this is a multifaceted situation that has so many layers to uncover. So I think that's what's what's interesting about this whole phenomenon. And it's just not talked about in general. We know menopause is sort of having a moment now and everyone's sort of, but I'm really glad that they kind of brought that to the forefront. And I think other news sources have also discussed this in the past, but I'm glad that New York Times highlighted that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really challenging for most women to get the menopausal care that they deserve. And like you mentioned with implicit bias, they're less likely to be asked about their symptoms or less likely to be treated. And and women on average are not getting the treatment that they need for menopause. And so it's really important that wherever you are in the country, that you're seeking out a certified menopause provider so that you know somebody is keeping up with the latest and able to treat you appropriately. But what other suggestions do you have for women of color in advocating for themselves in the healthcare system? I mean, I think it's just that you have to, we talk about how we have these patients that come in and they're like, I want you to know this, that I understand that this exists. You told me that you have patients like that. I definitely have had patients who are like, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared because I know that black women don't get the same treatment as non-black women in, in, in medical care. And they'll come to you and explicitly say, these are my symptoms, please listen. And we have to do our due diligence. We have to actually listen to the symptoms. It takes time. I mean, what are the reasons that women aren't getting treated for menopause? One is the system is broken. Our healthcare system is broken. Right. right. On average of the 70% of programs who say of OBGYN programs that say that they have a menopause curriculum, it's two or fewer lectures per year. Just take that into account. Right. Right. And I think the study that came out recently was like 30% of women, I mean, 34% of graduating OBGYNs. We're not even talking about internists or other right. people that are actually right. treating women in midlife. Who are midlife women seeing? They're seeing their FPs. Yeah. They're, they're seeing their family practice doctors, internal medicine right. doctors. We don't even know. They're probably getting less than even that. But as OBGYNs, that study that came out in the menopause journal recently said only about 30% of graduating OBGYNs maybe even saw a patient that was menopause. Yeah, we're comfortable with it. So the majority of their curriculum was lecture-based or reading an article, right? It wasn't practical experience with mental health patients because it's so OB heavy. So completely agree. The system is broken in many ways because if you have only 30% of your OBGYN residents saying that they're even comfortable having a conversation about menopause, I think that the last time that they did a study was maybe 10 years ago and it was around 20%. So it's not that it's in Proved drastically. And so that's why women are often dismissed because there's a lack of knowledge. And then in these big healthcare systems or the ones that have been bought out by private equity or big hospital groups, you're forced. I mean, we've bought, we've both worked in systems like that, right? right? I used to work in an academic system where I was forced to see 40 patients a day. Right. And you can talk about menopause for 10 minutes. No. I mean, no. I I have to talk to my patients. I hear all their symptoms. And then I tell them like everything that's going on. And then I'm like, let's come back in two weeks and let's see what you remember. And let's see what, what we start with little bits of treatment and then add on stuff because it's a lot. lot. And it's, I'm not going to get you to a 20 year old status, but I'm going to get you to where you feel good about yourself and you can embrace mental health. Right. Right. So I love that you bring that up because I think that this is a really important point when we're treating perimenopause and menopause is that 
in traditional settings, it's like, here's your hormone therapy. I'll see you next year. And that does not work for menopause care. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that closer follow-up and that interaction, because it really has to be a give and take, a communication back and forth to find out what's working so that we can tweak your dose. My goal is always, we're going to get you 80 to 90% better, maybe even hundred yeah. <laughs> percent feeling yeah. better, um, but it may take us on average three to six months. And then exactly. there, there are outliers that are about 18 months. Yes, exactly. And so I always approach like, okay, what's the predominant symptoms bothering you now? Okay. Right now it might just, it might be the vasomotor lack of sleep, all that stuff. So we go into systemic hormone therapy and we talk about the different mechanisms of getting FDA approved systemic Mm -hmm. hormone therapy, bioidentical, but not compounded in like that are unregulated. And so we talk about that. We talk about options of oral versus patch and all these stuff. And then that's a lot of tweaking, right? Can a patient tolerate a patch plus permetrium or oral progesterone, oral micronized progesterone, or are they going to want a synthetic progesterone patch with synthetic estrogen? So it's like all these, there are, we have a lot of options actually. I mean, many of them, and some of it's going to be depend on what your insurance covers. So I'm going to prescribe right. you something and it's going to bounce back and tell me like, oh, I'm sorry, you're not covered for this. You have to do right. this. We go to good RX or we go to cost plus or whatever and see what our best options are. And right. so we talk about treating those systemic things. We talk about weight related issues because every patient usually has some weight related issues and Absolutely. how best to get through the nutritional aspects of perimenopause and menopause. And then there's a whole issue around sex, right? That's the whole other thing. So we, I actually address all of those as a whole, and then I'll bring them back. Okay. Try this for two weeks and come back and see me or or a month, whatever. And they'll come back in two weeks to a month and then we'll review it. And then, okay, you mentioned that you didn't have much of a libido. Let's dig into that a little bit more. Is it bothersome? Are you frustrated with it? Oh, you have HSDD. Should we try testosterone? And then we keep adding stuff to see, let's get that vaginal estrogen in there, all the stuff. And it takes a while, right? Like I often see my patients and then mate, you're right. Maybe by six months or eight months, they're doing okay. And mm-hmm. then, okay, we'll see you back in the year for your annual or whatever. Yeah. But-, but it definitely takes a little bit of tweaking and there's a lot to unpack there. And I do feel like that women sometimes feel overwhelmed with the amount of changes or new therapy with, you know, cause I feel like have you seen those memes where women just like, like somebody will walk in the door and just collapse all of a sudden. Yeah. And it's, I feel like this is what women feel like after they've done their intermittent fasting and they've drank all their water and they've taken their vitamins and they've done yeah. their hormone therapy, right? <laughs> and they moved their body yeah. and they got to start all over again <laughs> tomorrow. They're doing something for their bones. Yeah. 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 So I have had patients say, I'm not totally overwhelmed, but I'm like on the brink. And so I think walking them through and making sure that they understand their hormone regimen, like God forbid, like we're not taking our progesterone at, at in the morning, right? We have to take our progesterone at night because it's <laughs> we like a um, right, right. Like I can't, I just can't seem to get anything done. Right. So, I mean, I think working through that and making sure that we've got the understanding that close follow-up is really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, so, so that's what I tend to do. And I think that's how most of us that are menopause trained kind of do. We like take it in bits and pieces. We make sure the patient, like what questions you have, I inevitably get callbacks, whatever the case may be. But, and I think this is speaks to why a lot of our colleagues are non-insurance based, right? Because mm-hmm. what is the, a lot of them just don't get compensated for the time and whatever. And I know you and I like to keep some accessibility for our patients. So we try to keep some insurances on board, but they, they don't want to pay you for that time, especially when it comes to women's health and sexual health. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. That's a whole other podcast though. <laughs> right. That is a whole other podcast. So 
if you could give just a couple of tips specifically for women of color as they go through this and they're experiencing intense and more frequent hot flashes and knowing that this is going to endure for many years, what would be your top recommendations for them? I mean, I would say going to certain credible websites like menopause.org or ishwish.org or ProSela, our patient-based website for Ishwish, which is the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health. And we know that the Menopause Society is the other society that's evidence-based. So you want to make sure you're getting the information from the right areas, right? Because now that menopause is having a moment, everybody is coming out with their own apps Right. Beware the snake oil. <laughs> yes, their own supplements. And, all, mm-hmm. and of course, all of the movie stars that we love growing up are now Gen, we're all Gen X, right? So those these movie stars are now experiencing perimenopause and menopause, and they're going through this and they're making their own supplements. And I mean, the truth of the matter is when women are not heard, that's why compounding pharmacies exist, right? No one was giving patients the hormones that they needed. So this was an opportunity to make money from that. Oh, 100%. Yes. That was something I was going to say earlier is that because of the lack of education of OBGYNs and everybody assuming that the OBGYN or taking care of the perimenopause and menopausal women. That is how we have this whole industry of women being taken advantage of. We're preying on their insecurities. And so you've got, you can get testosterone injections and pellets on every corner now. Yes, absolutely. And then on top of that, like, Everyone is so anti big pharma, but hey, you know what? Big pharma like do- doesn't put out anything that's not tested, right? That's not mm-hmm. rigorously tested. And a lot of insurances will pay for it, but maybe not a lot. You won't get great coverage, but you'll get something versus the supplement industry, which is totally unregulated, but right. it's possible. And it's a billion right. dollar industry too. So you have these patients that are like, no, I want something natural. I want a supplement, whatever. And you're like, I can't tell you if this is going to help you. I mean, you might get a placebo effect, but I mean, the reality is this has not been rigorously tested like my estrogen over here. So no, no. And, and I've seen too many women come in with thickened endometrium, excessive abnormal bleeding, hyperplasia, even from being on unopposed estrogen because they were applying a progesterone cream (laughs) and we're totally unaware of this, not even being absorbed. So, okay. So reputable uh, sources for information. And then if you feel dismissed with the healthcare provider, get a second opinion. Exactly. Go to the websites we've talked about, try to find somebody that can listen to your sexual concerns or your systemic concerns or both. And find someone that's like, just try to understand how they practice. Are they going to be a, a practice, a really OB heavy, like I, we were both in OB heavy practices before. And that mm-hmm. those, are the, those are the practices where you tend to have to see 40 patients a day and all that stuff. And so, or they might have to run out for this delivery, that delivery, whatever. So I feel a practice that maybe is more GYN centered, that might be a little bit better for some patients. Or I tend to think a lot of the private practices that are, are smaller and more that, that are able to give patients more time, right? I think that's a big key. Physician owned versus being part of a large organization. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there there might be some that exist that maybe in big academic centers that used to, but still you may not get as much time and these things take time, right? This is something that you can't be rushed. It can't be rushed. (laughs) Exactly. And you're dealing with patients that are in midlife that have his probably historic medical trauma, right? Like, right. Well, I've been, I, this is how many patients in like almost in the other side where they're just, maybe they're having general urinary syndromes, but like, man, I wish I knew you when I was going through perimenopause, that was the worst eight years of my life. And I, people right. told me to that buttercup and all this stuff. Or my mom right. was like, oh, there's nothing you can do about it. And our parents are of that generation where that's when WHI was at peak, right? Where like, right. Women, 
stop taking hormones altogether. So right. we're dealing with the repercussions of that, where these patients weren't even off, offered hormones at that time because. Right. Um, and there's a lot of fear base. So we're having to try to dismantle a lot of the myths around <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> hundred percent because they think it's going to cause breast cancer and all the things. But if you have questions about hormone therapy and breast cancer, you can listen to the episode two weeks ago with uh, Dr. Avery Blooming, who came on to discuss estrogen matters and all of the data behind that, which is really exciting. Well, I appreciate your time today and just helping to shed some light on this. And I, because just last weekend, I had a, a wonderful colleague friend from med school, a woman of color who reached out and was like, Hey, perimenopause is ruining my life. Is there yeah. really nothing that can be done? And if another physician doesn't know, like what does our, our community at large, it's so lacking the amount of information. And so just knowing that you're not alone in this transition, that yes, we are aware. There are doctors who are aware that this lasts longer and is more severe for you. And we are willing to help you get the help that you need so that you don't have more cardiovascular risk and all of these other issues going on. Absolutely. It's true. And it doesn't even matter like socioeconomic education levels, whatever, like it's across the board. Like I, I sometimes give this talk to a bunch of like really amazing business, what mommy dentist in business is what it's called. And I've mm-hmm. given talk to them and they all like about just taking charge of your health and perimenopause and Every single time they're like, oh my God, I've been so dismissed for so long with all my health. And it's sad to say, but it's very true that the way that we have sometimes traumatized women in healthcare, as well as just not listening to them is, it has to stop. And so that's what we're doing, right? (laughs) We're making it That's right. That's the mission. That's the mission. So listen to the podcast, share it with a friend, leave us a review and let us know what questions you have until next week. Be well. All right, Sky community. Thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website, as mentioned, or on social at Sky Women's Health, or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.